Our God is with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord. Immediately upon leaving the synagogue, Jesus entered Simon and Andrew's house with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told Jesus about her. Jesus went over to her and took her by the hand and helped her up, and the fever left her. She immediately went about her work. After sunset, as evening drew on, they brought to Jesus all who were ill and demon-possessed. Jesus healed many who were sick with different diseases and cast out many demons. But Jesus would not permit the demons to speak because they knew who he was. Rising early the next morning, Jesus went off to a lonely place in the desert and prayed there. Simon and some companions managed to track down Jesus and said to him, Everybody is looking for you. Jesus said to them, Let's, Let us move on to the neighboring villages so that I may proclaim the good news there too. That is what I have come to do. So Jesus went into the synagogues proclaiming the good news and expelling demons throughout the whole of Galilee. The good news of salvation. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. When bad things happen to good people is the title of a popular 1981 book by the late Rabbi Harold Kushner. He wrote it following the heartbreaking death of his 14-year-old son, who had a rare disease. Bad things do indeed happen to good people. And Rabbi Kushner, in his grief, had to try to make some sense of that. He was moved by the story of Job, one of the most well-known works of fiction in all of history. Job the story says, was a really, really good man. He was honest, pious, loving, generous, responsible, a model citizen who kept God's law to the letter. He was someone God was truly proud of. Job was also very prosperous. He had about everything he could possibly want or need. And it was assumed that he deserved it all because he was so righteous. You know, good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. That's how it's supposed to work, right? <laughs> In the story, God was actually bragging to Satan about what a great guy Job was faithful and upright, that there was no one on earth like him. But Satan tells God that Job is so good because he can afford to be. 
because everything is going so well for him. Satan then bets God that if Job were hit with some misfortune, that would be the end of his friendship with his maker. And Job would then start to curse God. All right, you're on, said the Almighty. And the evil one was then allowed to test Job's virtue. Why would God allow that? Just to win a bet? Just to prove a point? Suddenly, the story goes, Job falls on extremely hard times. He loses practically everything he owns, including his family and his good health. In his grief, in his severe depression, he says in today's reading, Is not a person's life in this world nothing but drudgery? I'm assigned months of futility. My only possessions are nights of misery. My, my days come to an end without hope. I will never experience joy again. You can't get any sadder than that. To make matters worse, his so-called friends try to comfort him, all the while insisting that he must have sinned because, they thought, this kind of rotten luck only happens to those who deserve to be punished by God. Nearly all of us, probably all of us, have come to realize that the reward-punishment God that we learned about as children doesn't exist. It is an invention, the purpose of which is to manipulate us into behaving ourselves. You better straighten up or God's going to get you. It is also an attempt to make sense of the painful reality that life can be incredibly unfair. Something that Rabbi Kushner and Job and his friends tried to address. We conjured up a cosmic judge who would smite our enemies and bless our friends. Who would shut up that immoral politician or impoverish that crooked business person or sicken that shameless polluter or humiliate that bigot. Rabbi Jesus of the Gospels was also a good person to whom bad things happened. And he revealed a very different deity. A collection of his sayings that we call the Beatitudes actually tells us how to encounter the true divinity, not the false god of rewarding and punishing, shaming and blaming. We experience this different deity by embracing Poverty of spirit, mercy, peacemaking, humility. It happens when we courageously face up to grief and help others to do the same. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That can be rendered from the Aramaic, blessed are those who weep for their frustrated desires they shall find fulfillment in a new form. A new form. Grief over life's unfairness always hurts and it never completely ends, but it does take on new forms. 
I can't fix the misery that you have in common with Job, but I can walk with you and hold you and listen to you without judgment. That's a new form that Job's friends did not try. If I let my heart break a a bit over my own tragedies, maybe I'll have more compassion for you. That's a new form for my grief to take. If I sit with my pain and choose not to dull it, to dull it or, or cover it over like snow on a pile of dung, if I refuse to deny its existence and thereby grow in wisdom, I might find fulfillment in a new form. If I had been one of Job's friends, I think I would have said very little. I would have acknowledged his pain and admitted that I don't have any answers for him and that I was powerless to undo his misfortune. Then I would have just stayed with him for as long as he needed. The story actually says that it started out that way with his friends. When they arrived to comfort him, quote, they wept loudly for him, tore their robes and threw dust over their heads toward the sky. Then they sat on the ground with Job for seven days and seven nights. No one spoke a word to him out of respect for his appalling grief, end quote. If only his friends had left it at that. Advise him that they blew the whole thing. That's when they revealed their immature assumptions about justice and tried to defend an indefensible God to explain away Job's pain. You you may have heard the expression, friendship doubles our joy and divides our grief. Not so with Job's friends. There is a branch of theology called theodicy. Theodicy. One definition of theodicy is the vindication of divine goodness and providence in view of the existence of evil. The vindication of divine goodness and providence in view of the existence of evil. In other words, theodicy is a defense of God, as if God were on trial for allowing bad things to happen to good people. Theodicy, as I see it, is a futile endeavor. It is a defense of a false God, a defense of a divine being created created by our own immaturity. Theodicy just keeps alive the God that punishes my sins and rewards me for my virtues and is limited by childish images that resemble Santa Claus. You do not ease my pain by explaining it away. If I'm sitting in an emergency room of a hospital with a broken arm, it does me no good at all if a doctor refuses to fix the fracture and instead explains to me that my sins led to this result. That I'm being punished and I shouldn't blame God. Try billing an insurance company for doing that. 
in our other two readings for today, we hear about good people who skipped over theodicy and just got to work. Paul felt compelled to comfort others by preaching the good news and found that doing so was a blessing in itself. Loving service, trying to be all things to all people in their troubles, made more sense than trying to figure out the mystery of evil. And Mark says that Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. She gets up and returns to her service of others without cursing the old man in the sky for letting her get a fever in the first place. She doesn't get caught up in the idiocy of, it, of, of theodicy, wasting time with the unfairness of it all. She experiences the divine one in Jesus' compassion and lets go of wondering why sickness has to exist at all. She just joins the other disciples in the everyday battle against evil. Note that demons are mentioned four times in today's gospel. They are expelled and silenced. I like to think that those demons are just nagging thoughts and assumptions about sin and punishment. They exist to keep alive the fear that the good news is a hoax. They plant doubt like Job's useless friends did. Demons just love to suggest that our victimization by sickness and the violence and cruelty of others and our own mistakes and the misfortunes that just happen for no apparent reason are all deserved, that they are just the wages of sin. Demons want us to think that all that ugly, heartbreaking victimization has the power to separate us from the true God the source of life and love. It does not. It does not. Jesus, today's gospel story tells us, couldn't wait to get on the road and proclaim that good news everywhere and shut up all the demonic messages that neurotic minds conjure up. There's a show on Netflix called Queer Eye. Maybe some of you have seen it. It's about the adventures of five gay guys who spend about a week with someone who really needs help, usually in the way of self-confidence. And during that week, they use their skills in fashion and decorating and cooking and even psychotherapy to make a huge difference in the life and health of that person. In an episode that Bob and I watched recently, <clears throat> the Fab Five, as they are called, went to the aid of a young guy nicknamed Speedy. A few years earlier, he had a potential promising athletic career ruined by a horrible accident. Speedy was in a wheelchair. You would think Speedy's depression would have destroyed him. And yes, the demons of doubt tried to con him, and he did consider suicide. But he was charming and sweet and kind. 
so lovable that it's, it's hard to imagine anyone not liking him. This was a modern-day Job, a good person to whom a very bad thing had happened. Unlike Job's friends, these men made no excuses for this terrible loss. They didn't try to defend or reward punishment God or solve the mystery of evil. They just got to work. They just jumped in and helped Speedy to work through his grief and build a support system and find ways that he could live a more fulfilling life and actually help others. Grief can be a masterful teacher. Watch that episode sometime, but keep some tissues handy. I got good and teary-eyed watching it. Now, I doubt if the Fab Five would call themselves this, but they are missionaries. In the style of Paul and Jesus and Peter's mother-in-law, silencing the demons that trap us in a crippling image of the divine that makes us forget the good news. May we join them in that crusade. Your thoughts?